43 to start. This is uh, verses 14 to 21. You may have heard this one before. Uh, often, if somebody's coming to speak about vision or direction, <laughs> this is the passage that gets uh, rolled out. And so here we are. Uh, so let me uh, read to us from Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to, I will send to Babylon and bring, you, bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians. In the ships in which they took pride, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Uh, this is the end of a series that we've been doing for the past seven weeks. So we've been looking at the who, what, how of the church, um, who it is, how we're gathering. Oh, do you want to take the girls now? Sure. I completely forgot. Right. I apologise. We are. Hey. Yep. It's good that you're here on time. <laughs> no, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't. All right. <laughs> uh, so this is the end of our uh, seven-week series. So we've, been, we've covered a lot of ground over the past uh, six or seven weeks. For those that weren't here, let me give you a very quick snapshot. We started with, a, I guess, a bit of a general overview of, of what is the church? What is the, the Bible, the biblical definition? We looked at Matthew 16. Uh, it was the first time this word church or ecclesia is mentioned in the Bible. Uh, from there, we then looked at who is the church for? We started looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and we kind of looked at the fact that we are God's chosen people. Uh, and then we went on to look at the fact that we have been made for a purpose. Why, why did God make the church? He made us to be a kingdom of priests, to be able to declare his marvellous works amongst the people that he puts us into contact with. So look at what is the church? Who is the church for? Why did God make the church? And then we kind of, that was kind of some of the big picture of the church. And then we kind of looked at the, well, well why be part of a church? And Nick spoke to us. From, uh, from Romans chapter 12, uh, about what it means to, kind of, to belong and the biblical picture of belonging to a church community. I then, uh, the next week, looking from, again, 1 Peter chapter 4 this time, kind of maybe try to draw some of the dots between what that practically might mean in terms of how do we express this. Things like giving and serving and how that actually fits into the big picture of just belonging to a group. This is actually not just a fitness club, or a, a loyalty rewards program. This is a family. 
that we belong to. And so it's going to be different. That's going to look different knowing that we are part of God's family. Uh, and then last week, we looked a bit at the future of the church. We've got the long-term end time uh, promise, hope that we have, that we are moving towards. And we looked at kind of the more immediate kind of looking around and seeing that the, the, these children that we have, we had, was it last week or two weeks ago, we had 35 kids outnumbered the adults here uh, at Glen Osmond. And so we very much have not just the future, but they are the church now amongst us, with us. Uh, and we want to make sure that this is an environment where they know that they are important, that they are included, they belong, and they have a part to play, as we all do. Again, that picture of family, right? You think about your family gatherings. Everyone's there, everyone's important, everyone's got a role. You've got the parents, the grandparents, uh, the crazy uncles. Like, you used to all mix in in your family, right? That's how it is. And that's a bit of the picture of what it means to be church. We all have a place. We all have a role. We're all important. We're all part of God's family. He has brought us together. So I've looked at a lot of big picture stuff. Last six weeks, we've kind of been spending a lot of time looking at what is this thing that we do called church? Why do we, why do we bother turning up? Hopefully, hopefully we've got some answers to some of those things over the past six weeks, hopefully. Um, today, I want to spend a bit of time actually bringing that lens in a bit of a, a microscope, if you like, of our church, Glen Osmond Baptist Church. Who are we and what has God got for us? And so later on in the service, uh, we're actually going to be doing a survey where I'm going to ask you to fill out five questions uh, for us to think about who we are now and where we are heading. I've actually carved some time uh, out in the service for us to be able to do this. I had intended to kind of do, I guess, a bit of an introductory spiel for five to ten minutes uh, to help give us a bit of a picture of what this is all about. And then I was going to leave a prolonged series, a long period of time. Uh, I got started, it looks like it's more like 10 to 15, so uh, humor me. Um, but we still will have time for the survey, I promise. Um, but I've been, I've been trying to understand a bit of who is Glen Osmond Baptist Church since I've arrived. I've been here like four or five months uh, and I've been getting some of the, the picture of who we are uh, and even I was catching up with Nick during the week uh, and him and Luce are, are big into history and we're able to talk about some of the very origins. Uh, originally, Glen Osmond Baptist Church uh, was planted from Parkside. Uh, Parkside Baptist is kind of a, they saw an opportunity uh, and there was a very wealthy uh, businessman and he purchased the land and he was the one who helped fund the building, uh, Glen Osmond Baptist Church. Uh, and so that's kind of where it began. Uh, at some point there, there was a, an infusion uh, from Res, Ros Trevor uh, Baptist. Uh, where they kind of sent some people to come, uh, bring some more families, bring some, some different sort of people into the, the mix of who is here. Um, and that was probably, I think, about 15, 20 years ago. Am I correct in saying that? I'm getting some nods, some question marks, some puzzled faces. Uh, more than 20 years ago. Uh, and so that's kind of been a fair while ago. Uh, and then more recently, of course, we've had the merger uh, from Life Church with Glen Osmond uh, Baptist Church. So there's been, over that time, there's been an array of pastors who have served here 
in this church. Uh, I say here, I imagine some of them served more up the front over there as the church was pointed a different direction. Uh, But one of the things I've reflected upon is clearly, I don't know many of these men uh, and many of these people. I've met some of them uh, who have kind of come and have introduced themselves and let me know that they used to be part of things. But there's many that I have not met and will never meet. Uh, But one thing I can see from the fact that there is still a church community here is that it's clear that the gospel has been proclaimed, that people's lives have been enriched by knowing God more and growing closer to him. That's the heritage that we have here at Glen Osmond Baptist Church. You are all witnesses and symbols of that ongoing desire of the gospel to be proclaimed from this church going out into our communities. So we are a fresh mix. There are those uh, amongst us who have been part of Glen Osmond Baptist Church for uh, a good number of years. There are those uh, that have been part of Life Church and have been part of that merger uh, with Glen Osmond Baptist Church. And there are those like me who are new, who have not been here for a particularly long time, uh, who have not known either of those things, who have come out of other church communities or other places to come and find a sense of belonging. We, this mix of people from all these backgrounds, are Glen Osmond Baptist Church. And I think, as I look around, as I talk about that heritage, there is much to give thanks for. I very much want to honour the past. I want to honour those who have been before, who have proclaimed the gospel, have sought to work to make known uh, our good God in and amongst our communities, whether in this building, whether at Ungerly Park, wherever it, wherever it is that you've come from. I want to honour those people which have been part of shaping and forming us to be here today, to be this people for God. And so I want to talk a bit about this Bible reading, because we are talking about our future direction. We are talking about what God has for us, or who we are now, and what God might have for us moving forward. And in the passage I read out uh, is a passage about a time in Israel's history when things were not going particularly well. A fairly dark time for Israel, uh, very dire. Israel as a nation um, had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire. And as part of the Babylonian conquest, they had come in and they had taken, the, well, they had killed a whole bunch of people as part of the conquest. And then they'd taken a good portion of the important people, the nobility, uh, a, a good number of people, and they'd taken all those important people back to their capital in Babylon. And so Israel was now dispossessed. The land had been given to other people. The temple, the very center of this nation, had been destroyed and ransacked, had been uh, plundered. All the articles that were used to worship God had been removed and taken uh, to Babylon. Things were not looking very good. And Isaiah wants to speak to these people and say, God's doing something. God's doing something new. God's making a way here. And one thing he does is actually brings their attention back to something in the past. 
to the Exodus event, when uh, Israel was formed as a nation. Previously, they'd just been uh, Abraham's family, where Joseph had brought them into Egypt, and then they had multiplied and become known as this Hebrew group living in Egypt. But they became so numerous that they became a threat to the Pharaoh, and so they were enslaved. And then after a period of time, Moses sends, uh, God sends Moses to, to set the people free. And eventually, after 10 plagues and uh, a lot of toing and froing, uh, God's people march out of Egypt to go to the new promised land. What's interesting is if you look at a map of where they leave in Egypt and where they're heading, it's a fairly simple path that goes along the Mediterranean coast. You kind of head north and slightly to the east, and it's a fairly easy thing. The interesting thing is when Israel left Egypt, the Hebrews left, they actually didn't follow the easy path. God marched them more like southwest to the Red Sea. Not where you want to go if you're going to Israel. That's a very long way around to get there. And as they were doing, all of a sudden... Pharaoh had a change of mind. He's like, I've lost all my slaves. I need to go and get them back. And so he got his army, his chariots, and they chased after the Hebrew people. And they caught up to them at the banks of the Red Sea. We know the story. God sends an almighty wind. The waters part. The people are able to walk along on dry ground to get to the other side. The Egyptians see all this. And fearing they're about to lose their slaves, they chase after them. They get their chariots, they go down into the riverbed and they try and catch up. But as they do, the water collapses over and leaves them where they are. Isaiah brings this story to mind for these people because this is a time where it seemed that there was no way. The people, as you read the story in Exodus, they're despairing. They're hopeless. They're like, it would have been better for us to have died in Egypt with full tummies than being brought out here to die in the desert and be killed by the sword. They're like so despairing. But God, he's like, no, no, I have deliberately brought you this way because I'm about to do something miraculous in you. I'm about to set you free from slavery. I'm about to give you the freedom in a way that you could not have possibly imagined. We'll be clear that it was me who did it. That's what God does. And Isaiah knows God's doing something again. They're in Babylon. There's lots of Psalms about how terrible this is. The book of Daniel talks about this time of how, uh, how hard life is in Babylon for God's people. But God's doing something. Because this Exile into Babylon was a punishment for their refusal to listen to and follow their God. But God's put a limit on it. He's put a boundary. He said, because of your disobedience, because you refuse to listen to me and follow me and do as I say, you are going to receive this punishment for 70 years. Uh, And that's exactly what happens. It looks hopeless, right? It looks like things are never going to be change that they're just in this new system of being slaves to the Babylonian Empire. But then this miraculous thing happens, right? Where literally overnight the Babylonian Empire is overthrown. The Babylonian king 
and Babylon is having this big party. You can read about it in Daniel, uh, I think chapter, chapter 6. A hand appears and writes on the wall four words, which Daniel translates to mean, your time's up, you're about to be overtaken by the Persians. It's an interesting read. Um, historically, the, the Persians were camped outside of the city. And this king, who had just risen to power, decides to throw himself a party for all the amazing things that he's done as he's just risen to power. Um, and he uses the articles which are from the temple. He brings the gold cups and the plates to this party he's having to celebrate his greatness. And God turns up and says, you're done. The Persians, who have been encamped outside, have actually realised that one of the key defence strategies for the city of Babylon is they had a river that ran through the middle and they used the pressure of the water to keep the gates closed with pulleys and levers inside to be able to open the gates when they needed to. Uh, and the water pressure would actually hold it closed so that no army would be able to get through. But guess what? To build the city, they needed to bank and dam the river so that they could actually build this structure without the water running and then let the water run to actually kind of close it up. The Persians found that out and redammed the river and then opened the doors and walked in. And the Babylonian Empire was done in one night. The Persians are now in charge. And the Persians are different to the Babylonians. One of the things that makes them different is they have a different policy about what to do with conquered people. They feel that conquered people are more likely to be submissive if they get to live in their own homelands if they actually get to go back and be the people where they're from, that they're more likely to be submissive to the empire than what the Babylonians did, where they're like, we're going to totally take all your important people to our kingdom. And so the Persians send the Israelites back to live in Israel. You can leave about, read about it in Ezra and Nehemiah. It looked hopeless, right? But God was making a way. Now, for us today at Glen Osmond Baptist Church. It, it does, I, hope that, I hope that you don't feel hopeless. I hope that you don't feel like we're in as dire a situation as uh, Israel were in these two times. Uh, however, I have heard people say that over the past 12 to 18 months, there were moments of despair, uh, kind of with, with Gav uh, leaving and taking up his new position, with some key core families who served in big ways, moving on to serve in different church families and church communities, for some people it may have felt a bit like this, a bit dire over the past 12 to 18 months. But here we are now. Uh, as I've shared previously, you have a new pastor and, and this is something that Laura and I and our family feel that God very much led and called us towards, that he has brought us to be part of this church family to this community. This is something that the search committee also felt uh, this unanimous feeling of, of God lining this up and bringing this to being. Uh, Mark Sanders, when he came and shared uh, at my induction service, spoke from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21, about how God might have something new for us. It was not the word he'd planned to bring to us that morning, but as he'd been praying for our community that morning, he wanted to come and share that God might be doing something beyond what we had previously imagined. I think there is a, a growing awareness 
that God might have something new for us, for Glen Osmond Baptist Church. And this has been on my mind and is something that, that I've been praying about. It is part of the reason that I wanted to do this today, where we actually want to do this series on what is the church. I want to actually think about this and push into this and look at some of these core foundational truths that the Bible says about what it is that makes us distinct, what makes us church. I've also been chatting uh, a lot with the OLT about this. Uh, One of the things that you'll learn about me, hopefully in time, is that I'm I'm not your dictator style leader. I'm not going to come and say, this is what we're doing. We are going to do this whether you like it or not. Uh, I have discerned this and off we go and I'm going to force this change upon you. That's not my leadership style. I'm much more collaborative. I'm wanting to work with you. I'm really not a fan of unilateral decisions. Uh, I think that that actually tends to be an unhealthy thing. Uh, I'm also aware that I'm actually... Not the head of this church. Jesus is the head of this church. I serve him as the head. And I want to try and discern what he is leading us towards. Because he is our leader. He is the head. And so to think that I alone would have access to what God has for us as his people, I think is crazy. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your voice. I want to engage and dialogue with you about who we are and where God might be calling us to, what he might be bringing into our minds, where he might be leading us. So we're going to do a bit of a survey at the moment, which is kind of if, uh, if you're thinking kind of in management ways, is, is a bit of like a, a SWOT analysis as strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Uh, I, know, I know some people don't like that sort of language, uh, particularly when you talk about weaknesses uh, or threats. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with talking about the fact that there might be, there might be weaknesses because Jesus hasn't come back yet. And so the church isn't perfect. This church isn't perfect. But we're loved deeply and dearly by God. He is for us. He is with us. And as long as we can hold on to those truths, then then honesty, then truth about where we're at is our friend. When we know that this is God's church and he is for and he is with us, then we can start to be honest and truthful about some of the things that might not be going how we would like them to do. And that's not going to shake us. It's not going to rock us to the core because our core isn't based upon our performance. Who we are, hopefully as individuals as well as a community, is actually based upon God's promises and God's word. If we have as our core our performance, as our identity, that is shaky ground. Our identity needs to be based upon who God says we are, upon his word as individuals, but also as a church community. So I think it's okay that we're actually able to talk about some things that we would like to see happen better. 
So to give you a bit of a picture, I want to paint a big picture of how this process is going to work, because I feel like it's important to be clear. I put this in the email update a few weeks ago. If you haven't got that, maybe you'd like to speak to me and I can make sure you are on the list to be able to receive this. Uh, if you have got this and you've read this, I apologize, it's going to be a bit of a double up. Uh, but today we have a survey that I'm going to make time for people to be able to fill out and to be able to spend some time thinking about. Um, I'm going to say that this survey is going to go for about two weeks till, uh, till throughout July. And so it gives you a chance to be able to, if you're somebody who wants to take it home and think about it, uh, to be able to do that. If there's people out with a kids program or who aren't here today, uh, it gives them a chance to be able to do that and bring it back. I will send it out via email uh, sometime during this coming week. Um, can I encourage you to know yourself? If taking a piece of paper home for you to bring it back in a week or two is unlikely to result in you bringing a piece of paper back in a week or two, don't do that. <laughs> do something that's going to work for you. I know if I took that piece of paper home, I would have the best intentions of bringing that back. But that would not happen. I want to hear your voice. I want you to be able to say, have a say here. And so know what's going to help you to be able to do that. Is filling something out online going to be the most helpful thing? Is actually taking a piece of paper home going to be the most... Do something that you know is going to help you get your voice back to me. Uh, once you've done that, and once we've received all the surveys back, uh, I and the OLT will sit down, uh, we'll have a look at them, we'll discuss these things, we'll try and work out some of, if there's a key threads or key themes that we can see that are running through uh, some of this. And in sometime in August whether it be at a service, whether it be uh, at a members meeting, which we'll need to have soon to confirm a budget, um, whether it was part of that, it's still unsure, we'll bring back some of the feedback of some of the things that we have picked up and that we have noted. Uh, and it'll be a chance for you to give some feedback on that. You might agree and say, yes, that's definitely filled. Or you might, ah, oh, I'm not quite sure if you've quite got the nuance or the idea of, of what, are, what people were trying to say, and that'll give you a chance to be able to provide some feedback to myself or one of the OLT members. We'll then take that on board, uh, and then sometime uh, through, we'll do that through August, September, sometime in September, I hope to be able to bring a bit of a, a vision or a mission plan based upon this survey and your feedback of what this might look like for us to do, what are some of the key strategic priorities that we have identified and that we can see might be worth us pursuing. Uh, and then I'd love, once we've kind of got this document ready, to be able to say this is what we are starting to perceive that God might have. I would like, once we get to that point, to actually have a month where we dedicate ourselves to prayer, where we prayerfully consider this document that we have about is this what we feel God is calling us. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I'm not sure what shape that'll take, whether there'll be uh, prayer here uh, at certain times, whether there'll be something that'll come out for you to be able to do that in your own lives or in your small groups. But I would love there to be a, a focus month where we are praying about this. If you fast, that might be part of that. Uh, if you don't, maybe that might be something you might want to consider doing as part of uh, what we are being doing here and looking to actually be led and guided by God. And then in November to January, I hope with the OLT to be able to take that mission, vision document 
and start thinking about what that might look like practically and what that might mean for the way we do ministry and mission here at Glen Osmond Baptist Church. So it's not a, not a quick process. This is not something that I'm hoping to rush through. This is not something that I hope to just be able to have you say once and this is your one opportunity. No, this is something that I want us to be able to be doing together. Today is the beginning of the process. So as we hand out uh, these surveys, can I get you to start? They're in a box. Madison's already put them on the clipboards with pens. So hopefully that's fairly easy for you to do. Uh, as you fill them out today, can I encourage you to be honest? They've already talked about, I think all truth is our friends. Our friend when we know we are dearly loved by God. Uh, and can I encourage you to be hopeful? Uh, this is God's church and he is for it. And so as we come to think about this, I want to encourage us to be quietly hopeful about what God could do in and through us moving forward. Be honest and hopeful. I ask that you do that as we spend some time doing it today. Uh, but before anyone starts writing, before we start doing anything, I want to pray. Uh, when I was talking to my mentor about the fact that we we're going to be beginning a process of actually doing some vision casting, he said, whatever you do, make sure you infuse the whole process with prayer. Make sure that prayer is key and core to the whole process so that you can understand and you can know that this is something that you have prayerfully come to. This is not something which has been imposed by one person or by somebody else. This is something that God is with and behind. So let me pray for us before we start these surveys. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Glen Osmond Baptist Church. We thank you for the rich heritage that you have performed here. We thank you for the many pastors who have served here, the people who have been part of this community, who have loved and served their communities, who have proclaimed your truth, who have gathered to worship you and glorify you here. As your people, we pray that you would be guiding and leading us this morning. We pray that you would be with us as we come to have our say, as we come to write down our thoughts about our church, your church, that we have been called to, the, our family here. Help us to be honest, help us to be truthful, and help us to be hopeful. Not because of anything that is inherent within us, but because of who our God is, because of who you are, because of your power and your love for us. Amen.